This is the Wellsprings Word. Something special, something different, something that's a surprise, but uh, it's something that the Holy Spirit's been working on, I think, for quite a long time. So Stephen is coming for his first time ever. Now, we're going to do what we did with Shana and her worship leading the other day. Are you nervous? Okay. (laughs) Family, does he need to be nervous? No. Give us your best, son. It's going to be great. There's my cheerleader. I hardly ever even held a microphone before. Hello. Um, So some of you may know me as the guy who sits over there and just hits stuff. Um, (laughs) I'm pretty shy, so needless to say, being up here is just my favorite thing in the world. Um, so if I don't talk to you, if I'm not super chatty, it's nothing personal. I'm just, I kind of stick to the edges, you know? Um, but a lot has been going on in my life recently. Um, some good, a lot of bad. And it's all just a part of the testimony, you know? I don't think the testimony that we all have is actually just when we find Christ. It's our entire life. So, um, Also, I'm, very, I'm an emotional guy, so if I start crying a lot, I apologize. <laughs> Last time uh, I gave, the only other time really I've spoken was an announcement about the Clean Water Initiative, and I pretty much cried for the entire, hey, thanks. I will, I'm going to take that, actually. <laughs> um, and I'd cry through the whole thing, and that was an announcement for crying out loud. And, and um, today... <laughs> I'm pretty much, I'm mainly going to be just sharing my testimony and, um, you know, why am I up here? Because God told me to be up here. So clearly what I have to say and what my testimony is can hopefully speak to at least one person here. And if it's even just one person, then that's worth it, right? So I have been thinking all week (laughs) about, you know, how can I share where it's, you know, I've thought about how would my dad preach this? I've thought about how would my mom teach this? There's a difference there. <laughs> my mom's always been a teacher. Um, my dad is a fired up preacher, you know. I'm just me, so I'm not going to try to be either one of them and just talk to you. And we'll see how that goes. God, I'm already crying. Okay, so. <laughs> thanks. Also, a classic millennial move. My notes are on my phone. If that, I'm sorry, you know, if that just really sucks you out of the whole immersion, you know, like, oh my gosh, he's on his phone. I don't know what to tell you, except get over it, I guess. Um, <laughs> like father, like son, I guess, yeah, on some things. Um, <laughs> so, we are still going to be talking about Revelation a little bit as well today, because I figured you know, your first time speaking, why not talk about the most feared, dreaded book in the whole Bible? Just dive right into the deep end. Um, But I have some personal uh, revelations that I've experienced as of late that I think just kind of tie into it. So it all really worked out. Almost like God has a plan. You know, who would have thought? (laughs) Um... First of all, I think we should just open in prayer, right? I'll stop rambling. Let's just do a little prayer. So, um, Father, uh, thank you for just bringing us all here together today. Um, We're all here for a reason. 
and we're here because of you. And please just use me. Um, give me words to speak. Uh, give me the confidence to speak them. And please give the people here today open ears and open hearts so that they may receive them. And maybe we can all grow together this morning. So, amen. Um, how's it going so far? Okay. How's my hair? Is my hair good? Okay. My eyebrows are still sweating from playing the drums earlier, so I... Anyway. Um, so, kind of just a little bit about me, I suppose. Um, those of you who don't know me, um, obviously my dad is a pastor, Walt, and my mom, Carrie. Um, I've grown up in the church my whole life. <laughs> the classic story of when I gave my life to Christ is it was in children's church. I was like three years old. Um, fun thing about that is I don't really remember it. <laughs> so... Sometimes it makes life difficult to navigate because you're kind of there like, this is just all my life has ever been. I, I would always say growing up even like, man, I wish I had a, a cooler testimony, right? Because like, man, I was somebody who was a dr you know, drug addict and then they get set free and it's like, man, I know for sure it was Christ. Well, I've just been in church my whole life. So like, this is the only life I've ever known. I didn't really go through any rebellious phases. Everyone's like, oh, you're blessed. Well, I am. I count myself lucky, but there are some interesting kind of hurdles that come into play with that that most people wouldn't think about, and I think that's kind of where things tie in uh, this morning. Um, I have... Uh, <laughs> hmm. Long story short... You know, I first started playing drums in the worship team when I was 10 years old. So I've been serving in church for almost 17 years already. Um, and I actually helped out in various capacities even before that, as young as like five. Um, even that, again, is not something that I'm not bragging about that. It's just, it's my story. So um, all of that to say, it becomes a really great excuse when you're serving every week, to just say that that's enough. <laughs> and he does want a lot more than that. So, let's go ahead and go to the scripture. Um, Revelation uh, chapter 3, verse 14 through 22. Uh, it is the letter to the church in Laodicea. If I mispronounce that, again, uh, I'm sorry, I guess, but it's, you know, um, I'm not some professional. I don't have any training of this, so um, let's just uh, let's read that together here. So, write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have everything I want, I don't need a thing, and you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable 
and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire, then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me, so you will not be ashamed by your own nakedness, and ointment for your eyes, so you will be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love, so be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Heavy stuff, right? So, what does it mean to be lukewarm? Right? We hear that term a lot. I have experienced it firsthand, because that's part of my testimony. I've been lukewarm for 10, 15 years or so, just kind of doing the church thing. Um, You know, again, you grow up in the church, and you hear all the speeches, right? I hear all the sermons. Um, When you need encouragement, all the Christians, you know, we're good. We say most of the same things. (laughs) like some sort of a script. So after a while, it kind of just becomes a little bit numb. It kind of like washes off of you, right? So you're like, yeah, I have a faith. I love Christ. Obviously, this is, you know, my life is good. I like church. Fine. You know, I love playing the drums. Everything's great. But soon enough, you start slipping into the dreaded comfort zone. And... I mean, who doesn't love comfort? Be honest. Raise your hand. Who wants to be comfortable? We all love comfort. Some of you are lying. You're saying you don't want to be comfortable? Okay, cool. This should be really easy for you all. (laughs) Um, But the problem with comfort that I found is that comfort quickly turns into complacency. And then complacency turns into compromise. And then pretty soon, compromise is letting more and more sin slip through the cracks. And pretty soon, you're going about your life, you're doing your thing, you're playing drums, in my case, you're serving. You think you're serving God because you're being faithful, right? You're a good person. Nobody out there would look at me and be like, wow, you suck. Or at least I hope. You know, maybe there is someone, I shouldn't say that, you never know, but (laughs) most of the time, people describe me, for whatever reason, as a very likable person. So, you know, you can be a good person. There are plenty of other good people out there in the world who have no idea who Christ is at all. That's not what being a Christian is actually about. Being a Christian is about having a relationship with God. It's not about religion, right? Everybody always says that. And yet, somehow, a few years in the church, same old routine, we're creatures of habit, pretty soon we start getting religious, whether we want to admit it or not. The relationship just kind of gets a little bit stale, right? That's another thing that I see with lukewarm is stale, right? Room temperature food, 
It's been sitting out for a while. It's just, it's but like pizza. If it's hot pizza, great. If it's cold pizza, some people are into that too. But if it's just sitting on the counter, turning into cardboard, nobody wants that. Like, come on, let's be real. Covered in fruit flies and mold. And somebody walks over and they're like, yeah, it looks great. No. <laughs> um, you know, I, I worked for many years as a barista. That even has a fun... You learn a lot about American society and just people as a whole, as a barista. Really, any service industry job, but, like, coffee is just, it's special. Um, <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you can have hot coffee. You can have iced coffee. But if somebody wants, like, a, a drip coffee... And it's, in, it's from the pot that's been sitting in the corner of the shop for the last seven hours. And you just pour it in there. You hand it out the window. Nobody wants that, right? They're like, this is old. This is stale. Why would you? This is horrible customer service. What in the world? And, you know, there's another side to coffee, though. So roll with me. If you don't like coffee, it's a word picture. Um, so, you know... The main thing that can cause you to be lukewarm and to cause you to get stale is to be lazy. Let's be real. Um, if you are new to something and you're still kind of learning it, it figuring out the ropes, um, being trained up, you don't really know what you're doing, you may not always make a great cup of coffee, but you kind of have an excuse, right? If you've been doing it for a long time and you just simply don't care anymore, then you're just handing out garbage because you don't want to put the effort in. So just kind of keep that in mind, I suppose. There's a little nugget for you. I'm like Chick-fil-A. I'm just going to be handing out nuggets. Um, on a Sunday, though, so I guess it's not like Chick-fil-A at all, actually. But um, I'm better. There, I'm going to say it. I'm better than Chick-fil-A, clearly. Um, calling them out. Calling them out. Um, <laughs> oh, man. I need to check my notes. Dear God, help us all. Okay, let's see here. Let's go back for a second. So comfort turns into complacency, complacency into compromise. The more you've compromised, the more sin you allow into your life, the more you are fleeting, excuse me, feeding into your flesh, right, that side starts to win. The whole walk, the whole life of being a Christian is really the duality of two natures, right? The flesh, and then you have God living inside of you. So it's all about which side you feed. And um, quick side note, the Lord, you know, some of you who know me, you know, all of you can see that I'm wearing glasses, um, my right eye, garbage. Just garbage. My left eye has like 20-20 perfect vision. And I got this wild picture just the other night um, that in its own weird way, that's like kind of a picture of just who we are as people because you have one side that it can't see clearly. And it's even lazy, right? I have a lazy eye. wanders. So you have one side that's kind of wandering around and can't focus on anything, 
and pretty much just leads you astray and is terrible. And then you have one eye, that's like your guide. That's the one you see out of, really. That's the one that keeps you from just falling into pits. So that was cool. I was like, you know, Lord, I've always been kind of mad that you didn't heal my eye, to be honest. And then now, look at you, just teaching me things. So again, I'm going to be real. This is genuine. This is just me talking to you guys. So the amount of times that we have prayed for my eye to be healed and it hasn't happened, that used to really bum me out. And now I'm kind of like, you know, you learn from everything. So it's all for a purpose, right? Um, so yeah, the more we feed into the flesh and the more that side kind of takes over, pretty soon everything involving God just looks like effort. Right? So <laughs> it's really easy to become lazy because next thing you know, again, you're just you're living your life, you're in your routine, and even just taking like five minutes to give to God, you're like, too busy, can't do it. Unreal. You want me to give you five minutes, you know? <laughs> you gave your life for me, and you expect five minutes of my time in return? How dare you? So, we're having fun. Um, <laughs> you know, you have weeks even, we, and we're all human, right? This is me. I do this every other week practically, especially as of late, if I'm honest. But, like, soon enough, just going to church is the biggest hassle in the world, right? Like, I just want to sleep in. Just, you know, I work Saturdays. One day off on the weekend would just be... Whew. Don't I deserve that, you know, for all the hard work that I do? Um, <laughs> so, like, I don't want to get up and go to church. That's ridiculous. And it's... You see where the lukewarm stuff can kind of just... So you get lukewarm. Here's a fun fact about Laodicea, because I do know some things. I'll forget all the city names, but... It was fed from runoff from the river. You can help me with names if you want. So you got the one town, you got hot water. You got the other town, cold water. Laodicea is in the middle. It's fed by this kind of off, meandering, pathetic little stream. So they, they lived off of lukewarm water, literally. So the distance from the river is also a key. So again, if, as you feed your flesh and you give into that, you're getting farther and farther away from the river, right? So again, you become lukewarm. It just happens. It's a very natural process. So that's something that I've been dealing with, again, for years, is this same concept. So what changed, right? Um, so about a year ago, I got the one thing that I have always wanted, <laughs> and I was happier and more content 
and more fulfilled than I have ever been. But that one thing wasn't Jesus, like it should have been. After all, I've been walking with Jesus my entire life. I know Jesus. No, this was some other, this was something else. And notice, okay, so notice, let's pull up Revelation again. Let's just go to verse 17. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. It says it right there. That was me a year ago. Like, I have the one thing I've always wanted, so I'm good. Hands off. Like, I'll just coast now. And um, when you're already lukewarm as it is, <laughs> taking that one last step is pretty much just like the final nail in the coffin. So um, this past year, I've just been <laughs> kind of all over the place. Um, you might say, have you been, you've been here every single weekend. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> that's the other fun thing about growing up in church, and especially being the pastor's son, is you get really, really good. Nobody can do church better than me. Let's be real. We all know how to do church, but like, I work in customer service, and I grew up as a pastor's kid. So I can be faker than anybody else in the world. <laughs> and that's just me owning that. Right now, this, this is as genuine as it gets. Don't worry. But like, I can be fake. So... You might say, like, wow, you've seen pretty good when you've been coming and going from church. Trust me, I have had some rough, <laughs> rough weekends. Um, long story short, you know, that one thing that I always wanted, I don't have that anymore. But I found something far better after it was, after it left. So, we learn from everything, like I said, right? It's all for a reason. It was a grand, it was kind of a test, I feel like, and I failed the test, but I ended up, not to brag on myself, it's just by the grace of God, I ended up passing, I think, an almost even more important test, much more recently, which we'll get to. Um, and so that's kind of, that's, you know, again, that's what it's all about. All of life is about growing. If you're not growing, if you're not learning, if you're not maturing, what's the point, honestly? <laughs> I mean, and it never stops. No matter how old you are, you can learn anything from anybody. You know, I was somewhere the other day, and um, there was a kid streaming. Just streaming his lungs out. Kids do that. I'm sure I did that as a kid. Parents here, you guys know, kids, right? They're a handful. Um, and I had that moment, right? That moment that humans have where you're just like, shut up. You know, like, oh my Lord, would you just, you're bothering me right now. And... <laughs> Instantly, the Lord said, it's funny because that's what I hear when you're throwing your tantrums. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, 
You win. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. So <laughs> we can learn from the smallest children all the way to the eldest elders and anyone in between, right? Especially if we're walking with God, really only if we're walking with God, right? He's the one who reveals things, right? He's the teacher. Um, so don't... So again, I'm, I'm sharing what I've been through as just kind of like a general... Warning, I suppose. Maybe some of you can relate to it. Maybe some of you haven't experienced it. If you haven't experienced it, do your best to avoid it. Um, if you have experienced it, then we can just have grace for each other, right? <laughs> Crazy Christian concept called grace. Um, so when you get to that place, though, where you're like, yeah, I don't, I don't need anything, don't, don't trust that at all. <laughs> The only thing we actually need is Jesus, nothing else. And so anything in this world that we get and we're like, hey, I'm set, don't buy into that because it's just a recipe for disaster. So um, oddly enough, though, you know, again, God does turn all things together for good. So again, you can lose that thing like I did and, like I said, find something far more important. So... Speaking of that, needing Jesus, um, how about that song, right? Lord, I Need You, we were playing. That is like my favorite song. I, if I was ever going to break a drumstick playing a song, it would be that song because I am like, I'm fired up. But what is, when you think about it, what is the whole heart even behind the lyrics of the song? What is the heart behind the passage? It is... It's humility, right? <laughs> Saying that you don't need anything is kind of one of the most arrogant things in the world. Because um, we're a mess. Like, let's be real. We need so much help. So when you're like, no, I got it. Okay. <laughs> Good luck. Um, there are days even now that I, I forget how to tie my own shoes. And I'm like, you know... I figured this out when I was like six or I don't know how old I was. <laughs> how, how old are you when you learn to tie your shoes? I don't know. But I'll have days where I look at my shoe and I just am like, what? And yet I'm the one who will, I have the grand plan for my own life. Obviously. Uh, you know, no. So, <laughs> um, pride, pride is the death of personal progress. And I think, you know, there's these old adages, right? Like pride comes before the fall. Everyone knows that. <laughs> I used to think, cool. So that real arrogant, boastful, obnoxious dude in the big pickup truck, you know, or whatever. Nothing against pickup truck. Um, he'll get what's coming to him, right? Like, he's going to fall. There's a fall coming. Like, why would I be happy about that? That alone speaks to the fact that we're very imperfect people. But I'm just there like, well, pride comes for the fall. So obviously, there's some sort of, like, trap that's being set 
for this individual? No. <laughs> so, all of us are going to have obstacles in our lives every single day. What does pride do? Pride blinds you. So, the obstacle that you can trip on and fall on is going to be there either way. So, wouldn't you rather keep your eyes open and walk hand in hand with Jesus in humility to avoid the obstacles? Or would you rather pull just the wool of arrogance over your own eyes and just charge out into the obstacle course, I got this, and then just bust your whole face open? <laughs> um, but really, actually, it's, sometimes it's not even walking hand in hand. Let's be real. There are other times when we only make it through the obstacle course because God is literally carrying us through it. <laughs> and especially as a, as, a, as a man, you know, I don't want somebody carrying me. I can do this on my own. I'm not strong. Look at me. I'm a spindly little fellow. But I, uh, you know, we're strong. I can handle this on my own. And it's like, no, no, you just need to ragdoll yourself and let Jesus just carry you because this is going to get ugly fast. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's all over the Bible, really. You know, Adam touched on it last week. He talked about how the meek will inherit the earth. He talked about how, you know, we are called to be servants, the most lowly and humble of positions. So if you're, you know, if you're going to church, if you're in your routine and you're like, I'm here to be served at church. You kind of missed the whole point. Um, we're all servants, all of us. And God can use any of us, not just the people up on the platform, right? We only elevate ourselves to make us feel better, but it really doesn't have any meaning. So, um, Humility, right? Humility is key. So just keep that in mind. I myself was not a very humble person for a long time. And I tricked myself into thinking that I was because I didn't have any confidence. Not having confidence is not the same as being humble. For example, I was confident that I could not be up here doing this. <laughs> but God thought differently, and God has thought differently for years. You know how it says that he's knocking on the door? It said that right in the passage. God has been knocking on my door until I just got to the point where I didn't even hear it. I just tuned it out. How, how often, <laughs> let's be real again, who just hates it when some random person comes and knocks on your door at your house, right? Let's, let's be honest. Worst Halloween thing ever 
is the fact that people are knocking on your door. I don't care. It's the devil's day, whatever you want to call it, whatever. But that's, the reason we actually hate it is because there's people intruding and knocking on our door. How dare they? Like, for a handout even? Are you kidding me? You're going to disturb my whole night and then ask for a handout? Like, no. <laughs> so think about all the things we do to even avoid the knock at the door. We crank up the music. We turn up the TV. We hide in the basement down in the darkness, pretend that no one's home. <laughs> all to avoid just answering the door and like it's ridiculous never mind the fact that for all you know somebody might be knocking on the door to just give you something but we're never going to find that out if we don't open the door in the first place so that's a thing <clears throat> um so i have i have been hiding for years like it was Halloween, <laughs> and the person I was hiding from was the person who took my sins away in the first place. And the entire time, I was in church. Church, we are the church, right? Our relationship with God is where the church works. This room, this building doesn't mean anything. The breakthrough that I had last weekend that led me to this point happened when I was alone at my own apartment. It wasn't here. It was on a Sunday, but it wasn't here because... God is everywhere. God can meet you where you are at if you just actually open the door and finally let him in when he's knocking. <laughs> oh, man. Are we having fun? I'm just rambling away over here. Just <sighs> Thank you. A round of applause for me. Just to boost my confidence. Um, <laughs> there's that pride we were talking about. Gosh darn it. Already failed. Already failed. Didn't even finish my first. Um, <laughs> so, oh gosh, that derailed everything. Big shock. Pride comes before the fall. Look at that. Look at that. I'm illustrating my own points. No. It's, it's all planned. I'm a genius. Um, <laughs> so, God was able to meet me where I was at. But, the flip side to that also kind of goes hand in hand with this whole idea of being like a lukewarm believer. That's also not an excuse to just forsake this place. I have it. You don't want to use God's omnipresence as some sort of free pass to just do whatever you want and, and go wherever you want because there's, you know, those other scriptures in the Bible that we, we hate 
um, you know, like, don't forsake the assembling of the brethren. And we're there like, whew, that's a good word. And then the, <laughs> and then the next week we're like, should I go to church? No, because the early football game, you know, Denver's playing. They're going to lose again. I gotta stay home and watch that instead. Um, I say that as a Denver Broncos fan, by the way, it's painful. Like, oh my lord. One of the many hardships of my of this past year, the Denver Broncos. I they're testing my faith. Um, but that's how you know, just go to church instead. They're not worth watching. You know, like you can watch the highlights later. It'll be like 30 seconds because there are no highlights. I mean, like, just, just go to church. Stop being lazy. Stop using everything as an excuse or an out. I have done that myself. Again, I'm not saying these things because I'm trying to judge you guys or even point out any one person, like Connie. Dang it, Connie. No, I have been guilty of all this for years, you know, the good person, the pastor's kid, all that. And I fell into the trap like anybody else. And uh, so, yeah, don't um, stop making excuses, you know. Um, my phone keeps turning off. Darn the luck. This is why you have paper. I'm learning right now. Um biggest thing I learned recently is that it's a lot easier to hear the voice of God when you're not yelling at him through a closed door. <laughs> so, I mean, think about it. Somebody's outside the house. You're just yelling back and forth, looking like an idiot. You know they're there. You know they're listening but you're also, like, standing back. Hey! Like, it doesn't make any sense. And then, big shock, what they respond with is muffled and kind of distorted, and you're like, did I hear that right? You're just questioning everything. You're doubting everything. You're second-guessing everything. My whole life, growing up in the church, I've always struggled hearing the voice of God. And then, this past weekend, I actually just opened the door for once, and lo and behold, I had a tremendous conversation with God in which he answered, like, all of the questions I've had for the last 15 years. <laughs> and all it was was me just opening the door. So, and again, think about how much effort even that takes, opening the, do you just, like, really? And there are so many reasons to to not open the door, right? You can be afraid to open the door. You're like, oh man, he's going to judge me. Oh, I don't want to be judged. I can't take it. I'm judged enough by society. I don't want to be judged by the Lord. However you want to view it, whatever you're afraid of, you know. And then again, you're, you're a good Christian person. You grew up in the church like me. So then you're like, you know, God didn't give us a spirit of fear. That's what everybody tells you. You just walk around and people just slap you in the face with it. God didn't give you a spirit of fear. And you're like, cool, I'm terrified of you right now, but that's, um, 
But sometimes fear just kind of slips in anyways. And usually fear stems from that same idea that we started on, which is leaving the comfort zone. It's called the comfort zone for a reason. It's where you feel safe. It's where you feel secure. I feel very safe and secure behind that drum set. Not here. <laughs> I hate this. The reason we know this is God is because I have never wanted to do this. So the only reason I'm here is because there is a breakthrough. Like, hallelujah. And you're all so lucky that I'm up here. I am just, I am his gift to you. So, um, I got it, Connie. Don't worry. I'll reel it back in. Um, We're afraid of leaving our comfort zone. And so I've known, I had this weird sense for years, like, man, if I open that door, he's going to tell me to do something I don't want to do. So then I just pretended the door was locked and in another house entirely and was like, nope, I'm going to just run to Nebraska. You know, I'm just going to get out of town. And, uh, but again, he is omnipresent, so he just follows you to Nebraska, and then you're back at square one, so. Um, but I was like, I can't, I don't want to open this door. I, I'm not ready, right? Again, you go into arrogance. There are different kinds of arrogance. I watched the movie, uh, my parents were raving about it the other week, uh, Jesus Revolution. Who here has seen Jesus Revolution? It's a great film. Um, a couple of lines in that movie really spoke to me. One of them was towards the end, and she says, don't be arrogant enough to think that God can't work through your failures. <laughs> That's huge. Because again, pride takes many forms. The idea that I can't possibly do whatever it is you're calling me to do, so you're saying that God's wrong? The God who knows everything and isn't wrong about anything. He's wrong. No. You picked the wrong guy. You, you're a horrible judge of character. Like, sheesh. Do I have to explain to you all the reasons why this is a bad idea? You know? Like, I, I'm going to mansplain to the creator of the universe and, uh, and just go on and on about how, nope. No, 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 no. That's not how you do that. Um, that is, in fact, arrogance. And again, I always thought it looked like humility because I'm there like, woe is me. I can't possibly be used. I'm a mess. I'm all these things to like, whew, what a humble guy I am, you know, because I just hate myself. No, that's not, <laughs> that's not humility either. Again, that is actually a really weird, distorted form of pride. God can do anything with anybody. That's the entire point. And so to say otherwise is just folly. Literally fighting with God on something, and you will always lose. That's why I'm standing here. I lost. But I also won, right? It's always a double whammy. So just, yeah, open the door. Listen to what he has to say. Um, 
It's when you're actually talking to God and he's answering those questions. Not only does it give you that confidence to do what he's calling you to do in the first place, wild how that works, but it gives you victory over just all sorts of things. You know, the tail end of that verse, Revelation 3, 24, I believe it is, it talks about how, Lisa, you mind putting the verse up? 324, please. No. 22? I know my notes. My notes are wrong. <laughs> um, whatever verse it is. Nope, the one before that. 21. This is a smooth sailing ship here. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. A couple things about that that I kind of picked up on. First of all, if there's a victory, it means there was a fight. There's no need to be victorious if there wasn't a fight in the first place. Again, it's in, I believe... John 16.33, that it references the fact that in this life there will be trouble. We were never told that life would be easy, but we're also meant to be overcomers in Christ. Again, in Christ, not on our own. But if we're with him, actually having a relationship with him, not just doing the church thing and being religious and acting like we have our stuff together when it's just a pure facade... Only then can we actually overcome things. Because we're not, we're not called to be go-arounders or take-a-step-backers. We're supposed to be overcomers. But why would we have to overcome anything? Again, it's clearly because there's going to be some sort of a barrier, some sort of a hurdle. Sometimes that barrier, again, is your own door <laughs> that God's knocking on. But there's something that you're going to have to step out and, and fight. There are battles in this life. We either overcome them with Jesus, or we lose them on our own, and God teaches us through the defeat, because he turns all things together for good. As I said, we all know this to be true. And then you're better off and better equipped going into the next fight. It's not about winning all the, all the fights. It's about learning from all the fights and getting better at fighting. <laughs> um, but the other thing we have to keep in mind is that victory, we have our own kind of earthly definition of what we think victory looks like. The conquering hero, right? Even when Jesus first came, everybody expected him to be like this amazing, like warrior king dude riding around on some stallion leading an army to overthrow the Roman Empire. And instead, he subverted all those expectations at every step of the way. He got ultimate victory for all of us by dying. 
that doesn't make sense, right, to us, usually. We're like, well, the hero, the victor, is going to be the guy who, or girl <laughs> who goes in there, knocks some heads together, and comes out the other side just awesome. The John Wicks out there, you know. Or John Wayne's. Um, and, uh, but that's not exactly what Jesus did, though, was it? Like, he was humble, he was a servant, he rode into town on a donkey. Again, we go back to the question of humility. If anybody had any sort of a right to be arrogant about anything, it was Jesus. And yet he was the most humble guy in the room. And that's the person that we're called to mold ourselves after, right? So, sometimes victory... It doesn't really look pretty. <laughs> I mean, what happened to Jesus was horrible, and yet through it, he broke the chains of death, hell, and the grave. Just, And he did that by dying. So sometimes our biggest breakthroughs, when we finally just break the chains completely, is when we lose and we die <laughs> and we get beat down we are defeated and then we are picked up and we experience victory through him he's the only reason that any of us are ever victorious so what is my <laughs> testimony on that so i um I became reliant recently on something that was not God. And my own walk with God had already been lukewarm and stagnant and stale enough where it was fairly easily replaced, to be honest, with something that, in my human perspective, I thought was better, right? And then next thing you know, that thing, you lose, you lose it. And then... You're to where do you go from there, right? What do you do after that? I did not handle things well. Maybe somebody else out there would just be like, meh, shrug it off, it's fine. Um, I was very lost and very broken for the first time in my whole life, really. You know, I, I always said I wanted this grand testimony, and in a roundabout kind of a way, I did get what I wanted, because you know the fight is really, really difficult when you're sitting alone. <laughs> and you're staring at a loaded gun. And you're just like, you know, what if? That's serious. That's scary. I was never, nobody fully panicked. Um, I wasn't all the way, you know, I don't think I ever could have gone through with anything quite like that. But the fact that any sort of a question or a thought even occurred to me, right, was like, 
I am in a dark place. <laughs> I have clearly just, I'm at the end of my rope. But what's odd about that is that when we fall off the end of our own rope, we land in God's hand. So don't be afraid to admit defeat and just let go of the rope and just trust God to pick you up and catch you. Um, Because at my absolute most broken moment, which coincidentally was last weekend, one little week ago, right? Vineyard crew is in town. Adam, I'm seeing old friends. Everything should be awesome. I had a nice time in service. You know, again, you come to church, you do your thing, everything seems fine. And then you go home and you are the definition of a disaster. (laughs) And so I finally, last Sunday night, reached that point where I was just exhausted, right? I let go of the rope because I simply could not hold on to it anymore. And I was like, okay, if I fall into the abyss, so be it. (laughs) If I fall into God, that's better. That's what I'm hoping for. But honestly, in the moment, I wasn't necessarily hoping for anything. I was just kind of like, I can't. And lo and behold, in that moment, there I am, hearing a knock. And finally, finally, after years of fighting, I was like, you know, screw it. Sorry. (laughs) But screw it, right? And I just opened the door. And... You know what he said? It's not what I expected from the one hand. He didn't tell me. He didn't judge me, right? He didn't condemn me at all. He didn't really even reference any of the things that I had been struggling with. Um, You know what he had the audacity to say in that moment? He said... I'm calling you to ministry. And I was like, are you kidding me right now? I'm like, okay, this is precisely why I didn't want to open the door in the first place. Oh my goodness. Like, you're still there. And I'm like, no, I am more broken than I have ever been. Why in the world would I be called to ministry? Like, You make no sense. And he's like, I know, that's sort of the point. I don't make sense to you. And I'm like, okay, that's fair. Um, (laughs) So then I started to argue with God, because that's what I do. Um, Fun fact, I have spent my entire life, uh, uncoincidentally, I don't think, um, struggling to find, like, purpose in life. You know, working fairly dead-end, boring jobs. I am almost 27 years old. I don't have a great career. I don't have a savings. I don't have, my life is a mess. And I'm just like hanging out. And everybody's like, hey, go to college. Hey, pursue this, pursue that. And I'm just like, what? I, what? No. Um, 
And then I try something, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not a big fan of this. Um, try something else, and I'm like, nope, that sucked. And I just kind of just, again, not only was my church life stagnant, but just my personal life had grown super, super stagnant for years. And I was like, man, I need to figure my stuff out. And then every time I'm there, like, I need to figure out my own crap. There would be a knock. I'd be like, please hold. I'm trying to figure out my life right now. Um, <laughs> don't interrupt me right now while I'm trying to figure out my own life. I know the answers. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I finally opened the door. And he says, hey, I'm calling you to ministry. And I'm like, fantastic. Love it. Not at all. Um, <laughs> so then I argue and I say, well, you know, recently, God, I had this crazy idea, this moment of inspiration, like maybe I had finally found my, my calling elsewhere, and that was in something like kind of in the medical field. Like, I want to help people. And I said, you know, I've been looking at being like a physical therapy assistant, occupational therapy assistant, something like that. What about that, God? And he said, no one's better at helping people than me. <laughs> I was like, okay, fair. Uh, and I was like, but, and before I could even finish that thought, he said, I am the grand physician. So if you want to be a physician's assistant, why don't you just assist me? And I was like, it's like, you sly dog. So I was like, okay, fine. I'm not done. I'm stubborn. I'm as stubborn as they come. So I thought, nope, option two. You know, I had gone to school for a while for English because I love words. I don't know. I'm like, I can, I can talk about anything. I can ramble on for hours. Um, I'm like, I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to be whatever, you know, a reporter. Who cares? Um, I'm like, what about my passion for words? And he said, use your words for me. And I was like, son of a, no. <laughs> so I went to option three. I still wasn't done. And I'm like, okay. So many people over the course of my life, to the point where, like, I, I was genuinely so sick of hearing it, guys. I can't even tell you. They would tell me, I feel like you're called to leadership. I feel like, you know, your words have some sort of an authority. And I'm there like, dude, if my words have authority, we're in dire straits because I say some stupid stuff. Um, and so I'm like, no, no, no. I, I've always been comfortable being the number two guy. I want to be like the main assistant, the go-to helper. I'm like, um, you know, growing up watching Star Trek, The Next Generation, who was my favorite character? Will Riker, number one. First mate, Picard, who cares? Riker, that's where it's at. Like, I've always had this, like, no, I want to be the number two guy. Even when I used to help out at youth group, they would ask me, like, do you want to try leading the youth group? And they're like, no. No, but I'll help you lead it. And they're like, well, that's great. You're faithful. You're a good servant. That's awesome. And I'm like, I know I am. Um, wasn't, wasn't arrogant at all, you know. Um, but I'm like, no, 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 I don't want to be the leader. So finally, that night, I tell God, like, okay, fine. Words, helping people, that's all great. But what about this thing where 
I hate leadership. I don't want to be a leader. So, ha <laughs> ha, there. And you know what he had, again, just the gall to say. He said, son, I am the leader. So why don't you be my number two guy? That was three strikes, and I was out. <laughs> I was finally like, <sighs> I thought I was good at arguing, but I am just getting my tail whooped right now. So I finally was like, okay, and I just sat there. I wanted to be mad, but I wasn't. That was the weirdest part. All of a sudden, I was just kind of like, huh, is this what having a purpose looks like? Is this peace? I haven't really known peace for 10 years. And um, so I told God, finally, I was like, okay, well, use me then. <laughs> and needless to say, this entire week has actually been incredible. And every single day, God is showing me things and talking to me. And again, I spent, we'll, just, we'll call it my whole life, I spent 26 years in the church not hearing from God. Because it's not about the church. It's about finally letting him in and actually having a relationship with him and opening the door. And when you do that, boom. Like it said, he's having dinner with you. He's doing life with you. He's walking with you. And when he's walking with you, he can talk to you, and you can actually hear him, and it's crazy. So this week has actually been awesome. Um, that's the praise report. You know, one week ago, I was there just absolutely in the pits, and now here I am. Here I am. Um, and the, uh, the best part of that was the very next day, Monday, you know, I, I have lunch with my dad and telling him all about it. Like, man, I found victory in Jesus. Is this what that feels like? Um, and uh, he said, that's great. And I said, yeah, and I, I think I'm called to the ministry. And he's like, and I saw it on his face. You know, he's there like, yeah, I know. We've been telling you this for years. And I'm there like, yeah, nobody likes to know it all, okay? Um but you, you can only truly lean in and listen to callings when you actually hear them from God yourself. If you're, if you're trying to follow a, car, a calling that somebody else gave you, that's, it's not going to go anywhere. So I needed to go through some crap to finally actually figure all this out for myself. I got my testimony and it sucked, but it was also beautiful and kind of awesome. And I'm far better off for it. Um, but I was at lunch with my dad, and uh, he said, you know, I'm like, I think I'm called to ministry. He's like, that's great. You want to preach Sunday? And I'm there like, I... 
I knew it. I just knew it. He's been waiting for this moment. <laughs> and um, every fiber of my old self from the past 15 years was like, no. I wanted to walk out of the restaurant, just like, are you kidding me right now? Um, <laughs> but way, way, way louder than that, like a screaming, like one of those neon signs, or like one of those inflatable airmen that like flags up and down, but like he was flying into the side of my head. Just <laughs> um, <laughs> I heard him say, which is, Oddly enough, another quote from the Jesus Revolution movie, but I, clear as day, he said, this is the part where you say yes. Because <laughs> I was like, Dad, I think I'm called to ministry, but I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what the timetable is there, you know. I, uh, I might need a while to keep praying through it and figuring it out. And, you know, something pretty major happened last night. I'll have to process that for a bit. Um, <laughs> But then in the moment, it was like, hey, do you want to preach Sunday? And I was just like, yeah. And I'm like, what am I doing? What, what did I just say? What did I just agree to? This is crazy. Um, <laughs> but it's a good kind of crazy. So that's honestly about, I mean, that's where I'm at. I don't know what exactly I'm going to be doing around here. Or what it all, I don't know what it all looks like. But I'm, I'm going to try for one of the first times in my Christian walk. Instead of just being faithful, instead of just trying to serve and hang out in my comfort zone. and It's all kind of an elaborate excuse for the fact that I'm a control freak. So I just want to do everything myself, you know. Um, <laughs> so I'm like... Is it really this great sacrifice that I'm going around turning on and off lights? Or is it the fact that I don't trust anybody else to turn them off? You know, you got to be honest with yourself. So you're like, yeah, no, I've kind of this whole time just been a little bit of a fraud, you know? A little bit of a hypocrite. I mean that in the best way. Because <laughs> um, guess what? Lukewarm people, that, you know, actions always speak louder than words. Everybody knows that whether you're in the church or you're not in the church. So, the reason people have a reputation for, man, the church is just such a, you know, just full of hypocrites, right? Is because a lot of people in church are very lukewarm. I was one of them. I'm not calling anybody out. I'm just saying it's it happens, right? So, Let's try and not do that. <laughs> Wasn't that a beautiful way to end it? So let's, uh, when he's knocking at the door, just actually open it. When he's talking to you, actually listen. Just try to be obedient and just say yes. This is the part where you say yes, right? All of us, all of us have to say yes. No matter how many years you've been in church, sometimes you just have to say yes and actually do something, right? So... I'm finally done. I didn't I just, the clock is sort of broken. Is it working? Oh, it is working. I was just ignoring it. Good. Um, it is very late. The, the, uh, the gift of long-windedness runs in the Hill family. So we, uh, <laughs> my dad was telling me, like, you probably won't preach for as long as I did. And I'm like, well, 
you're in for a treat. So, um, so yeah, that's, I mean, that's all I had. So, Lord, you see us, you see everything, you see what we need, you see what we need to do, and you have placed callings on each and every one of our lives. You don't want us to be lukewarm and grow stale or complacent and just sit in the comfort zone all the time. You want us to extend past that. One of the reasons for that is because you know that when we're outside of our comfort zone, we have almost no choice but to lean into you. And all you want is to walk with us. So I pray that you would embolden everyone here to just lean into those callings and to just give their lives to you fully, whether you've been in the church forever, whether you just started out, it doesn't really matter. The point is, he wants to be with you and life is a lot easier when you finally just let him in and say yes and you just do it. So I pray, God, that your, your continuous grace would continue to cover us for the mistakes that we've made and for us trying to put it off and ignoring the knock at the door and all that kind of stuff. You know, you're awesome. You don't get tired. We eventually grow tired of ignoring the noise, but you can do it forever. So um, just cover us with your grace and hold us in your love and your embrace and help us to navigate life in a better, more real, more on-fire way. Thanks again for stopping by. If you'd like any more info about us, feel free to swing by wellsprings.church. Have a blessed day.